I'm well, a fun you guy. You have fun when they finish below 500. I'm just Captain Fun. I guess. Or a captain suit, the show from now on. I don't like the half point. Well, that's called the hook. I don't like it. What the hook How do you get rid of it? Can you get rid of the hook? I'm going to have a coronary. I'm getting too old for this job, but you guys may have won. Upset. If you look back at where the term came from, it was from a horse race. Upset when did you turn a, into Cliff Clavin? I like this job. <laughs> I've had it for a long time, Paul. Last one. This is like chemistry lab. I'm on the verge of next year's Super Bowl. I can't Bowl. help what I think. Be honest, Paulie. You're not doing this for <laughs> other people's entertainment. You are truly enjoying this. This is Orange Nation. With Stephen Fonte and Paulie Sibilia. No Paulie Sibilia again today. Stephen Fonte, Mike Waters for hour number one. Brian Higgins will join me for hour number two. On a Monday edition of Orange Nation, we've got uh, Dr. Brad Raphael for our SOS house call. He'll join us at 1230 coming up at 1 o'clock. Mike McAllister, publisher of Syracuse on SI, will talk some football recruiting news with Mike with uh, signing day coming up on Wednesday. Plus, we'll take your phone calls throughout at 315 437 7644. Going to talk a lot of basketball in hour number one. I'm sure we'll get into some NFL and football talk in hour number two. Mike, it's always great to see you. How are you today? I'm good. I'm, I'm excited. I uh, got called up off the practice squad. Ready to fill in for <laughs> late Paulie. last night. Yeah, I, I actually I got I, the call. I felt bad texting you that late, but then you tell me today was your daughter's birthday and you had people over and you were I, when I got a return text from you right before midnight. I was like, wow, Mike's up late tonight. So you knew I was watching the NFL game. Yeah. Too. Oh yes, right. yes. I think we all were. A, a curious finish to that one. I wonder how your uh, so you and I. I mean, neither one of us are are Giants fans. I wonder how much. Your your view of that changes if you're a Giants fan versus a Commanders fan versus just a casual observer of the NFL watching that game last night. I've talked to a few friends today that are Giants fans, and they're making like a ton of excuses for the uh, the first call uh, where the on Terry McLaurin, yeah, uh, that well, the the Washington wide receiver there was ruled not to have lined up correctly, and boy, they're like. Oh, he should know where to be, and this and that, and the the official obviously told him he was off the line of scrimmage, and he needed he just didn't move up far enough. And then we, you know, when it comes to the defensive pass interference, they they start to lose steam. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of one of those where if you're a fan of the Giants, you just kind of have to go, well, we've been ripped off before too, or we'll be ripped off next week or something, because you just can't argue that both of those calls were legit. Yeah. I, I couldn't help but think as I was watching that, um, that I, I'm, I'm glad I'm not a fan of the commanders because I would be losing my mind on both of those plays. I but, used uh, to be a fan of the team that the commanders were known as previously, but I dropped them several years ago just because I just couldn't anymore. Yeah. Between right. the ownership, the, the, the nickname, um, and stuff like that, and, and then moving up to this area and living here for over thirty years, and seeing my son become a Bills fan. So you're part of Bills Mafia. I am. Yes, Good. I'm. You know what? I'm. I'm not a made man. Yeah. Excellent. You know, if we're if we're gonna go with the mafia theme, I'm probably not that. <laughs> we'll we'll take you. We'll, there, there's plenty of room. There's plenty of room. But my son, uh, it's been fun, you know, uh, to watch him become a Bills fan. Yeah, uh, and we can cheer for the. Team. I know you're an Orioles fan, so. right? And that will never. That okay. will never. End. You'll you'll remain an Orioles fan. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but you. but yeah, we we open the show obviously talking basketball. We'll we'll get into NFLs. The show moves along. And and listen, if you want to call in and, and talk about the end of that Giants game or the end of the Patriots game, I'm sorry, Jordan. By the way, now, I'm not really. 
As you know, I, oh. I root for the Bills and whoever's playing the Patriots. That oh, was that was a terrific finish to that uh, Patriots Raiders game. That would never happen to a legitimate Bill Belichick coach team. If you're watching on Q Sports Talk, you see the jacket I'm wearing. I have a job interview later today. Believe it or not, I've got my visor out in the, in the main room. <laughs> oh, you think I'm kidding? They I could it. use you. I have never seen anything like that. Um, Anyway, we'll talk NFL. And how about the show it was Chandler Jones? I know, right? Syracuse well, that guy. I, I texted Alex immediately, and I said that has to go in the eleven o'clock show <laughs> for multiple reasons. And she's a Patriots fan too, so I kind of felt bad with that. Um, <laughs> no, you didn't. Eh, a little bit, a little bit, but not. I got over it very quickly. Um, all right, let's talk about this Cuse basketball team. You know, it was the the non conference finale, and. You know, it's their, their last chance to tune up for ACC conference play, and, and we thought Cornell was going to give them some trouble or had the potential to give them some trouble, and Cornell did that. They hit threes early on, and they had them down double digits. And So I, how do you unpack what we saw Saturday? Is it kind of one of those things where it's you know good for the Orange, they figured it out, and you know there, there were some positives, especially with the play of the forwards looking a little bit better, um, or are you really concerned about all these slow starts? I'm concerned a little bit about the slow starts even still. And, yeah, the forwards looked better. Yep. Uh, Chris Bell uh, played better, uh, shot the ball, but also rebounded the ball, uh, played with a lot more energy. Um, so that's a great thing. Uh, Benny Williams ha- had another good showing. That's a positive sign. But they're both young. They're, they're going to be inconsistent. So nothing has solved there, in my opinion. So what, what's really concerning to me is it's not just the slow starts, but in particular – the lack of energy on defense to start a game. And these guys need to start coming out playing defense with their hair on fire. And and they can't wait until they're down, you know, until like Northeastern's made seven of 14 threes right. to start a game, until Cornell has come out making five out of 12 uh, threes to start a game. And you, the, the energy is not there at the beginning of the game as it is 10 minutes into the game or even, at, you know, start of the second half. And I don't know if that's youth, if that's taking Cornell for granted, taking Northeastern for granted, and some of these other teams, you know. So, uh, but that's got to stop. It's it's a, only a forty minute game, and we all just got through watching the World Cup for about three or four weeks. Those guys play ninety minutes plus, <laughs> right? A lot more. Uh, you know, they play one hundred and twenty, one hundred and ten minutes. It's like you're playing forty minutes. There's timeouts. There's a halftime. There's stoppages. There's subs. You can go back in a game if you're tired. You have to play hard. And I, some of these kids are not playing hard the entire time they're on the floor. And they're certainly not playing that way to start games. And it's always dangerous to, to be that kind of team that, well, we'll just flip the switch because you, you're going to dig yourself a hole someday and you're not going to be able to flip the switch. Or when you do, you can't dig yourself out of it. And uh, it, it is. It's been a, it's been a re- recurring theme with this team. Fall behind and... For the most part, they've been, you know, even against Bryant, for instance, they dug themselves out. They, they end up losing the game, but they, you know, they pulled even, pulled ahead. It was nip and tuck. They end up losing the game, but those things come back to bite you. And, um, you know, it didn't happen on Saturday, but now the competition's going to get, you know, stiffer as you go into ACC conference play. And um, you, you, you better you better nip that trend in, in, in the bud as, as quick as you can. Absolutely, because even the game they have coming up to tomorrow night against Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's playing better. Yeah, beat NC State. They on the road. Yep. Uh, you know, so a road win. Uh, you know, they've played in tough environments. I know Vanderbilt doesn't get a lot of national notoriety right now, but Pitt went to Nashville, lost by one point. 
that's a tough place to play at Vanderbilt. It's a weird gym. Uh, if you've ever been in, in Memorial Gym. So the, the benches are lower than the court? Well, the benches are at the end lines. Right. Uh, so the coaches can't go right. as far as they want. The sight lines are weird. Um, actually, players sometimes prefer the baskets at Vandy uh, because you're not going to hit one of the basket stanchions uh, if you go hard because it's just it's, – it's, it's like playing in, a, in an opera house. It's weird. But they go down, and I thought they played Vandy tough. I thought they should have beat Vandy. Beating State on the road is, is a great win. This is a tough one. And they're going to shoot threes, by the way, which every team against Syracuse, they're shooting a ton of threes. And Pittsburgh's taking a lot this year, and they're making them too. All right, let's let's hear from Jim Beham uh, after the game. And, uh, you know, he... Uh... He didn't take any questions. We'll get to that part of it in a moment, but uh, it, he was uh, he was not happy. He said Cornell was the better team. I thought Cornell was better than us today. Um, I thought they just missed shots. That's all. The only reason we won the game is they missed shots. They had we did a little better job of guarding them, not much. Uh, they just missed a lot of shots and let us back in the game. We can't determine when we need to go and when we need to make a play. Yeah, and you know, I I want to ask you about that because you said the defense got better, and it did. You know, the the intensity on defense got better. How much of it was you look at Cornell's second half shooting? They were twenty four percent in the second half, six for twenty six from three point range after halftime. How much of it was the defense was legit better, and how much of it was as Coach Beham alluded to, they missed some open looks. Yeah, he's right. A lot of it was open looks, and maybe the defense wouldn't have looked as good. If Cornell, Cornell had just made a few more of these threes, hit a few of the open ones. But, you know, sometimes when you defend really well and they miss a few tough threes, threes that you've made tough, when they finally get an open one, eh, sometimes they miss. We've seen Syracuse teams. Sure. You, know, find, you, get, you, you miss when you've been struggling. Uh, so, But you have to make them struggle first. So, yeah, the defense was better. Was it where it needs to be? Probably not. But the real fear is is that teams are still attacking you from the outside relentlessly. Cornell took 48 three-pointers. Yeah, That's the second most ever by a Syracuse opponent ever. But over recent years, I mean, Cornell took 42 or 44 last year. A couple years ago, they took 46. Last, last year, Villanova took 50. No team in the ACC is having more three-pointers taken against it than Syracuse. And I think teams are like, you know what? We don't have to shoot a great percentage from three-point range. We're just going to take a ton of threes, and if we make enough of them, we'll win. I talked to one Cornell person before the game on Saturday, and they said if we make 18 threes, we think we got a chance. Now, they made only 13, but they took 48. Right. 18 out of 48 is not an insane percentage. So right. it was very feasible that they could have made 18 and beaten Syracuse. You're talking about 15 more points, and that was the final spread. Isn't that an 15. interesting? It, it uh, is my, interesting. My Cornell guy yeah. had the number right on the button. Yeah. Um, 48 three-point attempts, uh, two free-throw attempts. Cornell was 0 for 2, uh, and the, the one foul was kind of in garbage time. Have you, you're, you're a guy who you love to go back in history and you're Mike's mailbag and you, you're, you, know, you, you take these questions. Has there ever been a game where the opponent didn't shoot a free-throw? Because it almost happened. I haven't looked. Right. Uh, I've got to go find That's that. That's so strange, though. And you know what? It, it might have happened. So uh, you want to like email me so I can put it in. So I can make paper? it official. I can <laughs> put in the official request. It's mwaters at syracuse.com. There, there you go. Shame, shame, shameless plug. 
Um, I, I may have to do that because I, I am legitimately curious now. But yeah, I mean, you know, you, you said you, if you make enough, you end up winning the game. Um, if if teams can grab as many offensive rebounds, I mean, Cornell had 22 offensive rebounds. So you jack up a few threes, you, you know, if you miss, you grab the rebound, you try again. And, and that's kind of what it was, right? I mean, it was, they had a lot of offensive rebounds, a lot of second chance opportunities. Um, you know, Syracuse had... 30 defensive rebounds. Cornell had 20. I mean, it was a, essentially a 50-50 proposition. Not quite that. Maybe 60-40. But that's still um, that's not good enough, right, on the defensive glass. You can't give up 22 offensive rebounds to, to, that, to that team. I mean, it's not like they had uh, twin towers out there. It's not a, it's, it is a lot of offensive rebounds. It wasn't like they were getting pounded on the boards in the way that North Carolina will pound you. Uh, because with the threes, it's all long rebounds. Sure. So it's more scramble situations. And that's when the perimeter guys have to help more. Yeah. You know, you have to, you know, and sometimes you've run out to defend a three, you end up behind the guy who took it, and so you're completely out, out of, of the play. So, right. like, you know, guys like Judah Mintz, Joe Girard, or if it's, you know, Benny Williams who's run out to, to defend a guy. So you're automatically in bad rebounding position if the team's taking that many threes and missing them. Sure. Uh, but you have to then be just better at the scramble. All right, let's uh, let's hear more from Jim Beheim. You, you mentioned the defense was a little better, and they missed some shots. Uh, part of the reason the defense was better in the second half was uh, Jesse Edwards uh, shook off his slow start. Coach Beheim talked about how he was under the weather, but uh, did come alive in the second half. If Jesse's, you know, Jesse was sick, didn't practice on Thursday, practiced Friday a little bit. He thought he was all right, but he couldn't do anything in the first half. I thought the second half he. He must have felt better because he was the difference. I think sometimes our forwards think that Jesse's going to get every rebound, so they just watch him. And uh, that's not a good solution. 12 rebounds for Jesse, uh, another double-double for him. And as, as you pointed out, um, you know Chris Bell and Betty Williams both had five each. So, I mean, you're... Your front line had 22 rebounds in that game, and that's that's pretty good. Certainly better than than they've been getting um, out of the forwards. I thought Chris Bell played his best game to date: 13 points, five rebounds, made a couple threes, played 28 minutes, played with some enthusiasm. It seemed like he played with some confidence too, and I, I would I wouldn't blame him if his confidence was a little shaken with the way the season started. But he he looked like a more confident player on uh, on Saturday. He played with a lot of ag- aggressiveness. He played with energy. Uh, that chase down block uh, that he got, I you know he he likes those. I saw him do that in high school, um, and been kind of been waiting for that. And you know, listen, chase down blocks are fine, but you know it, it also means that somebody got a fast break on you and right. you had to chase them down. Uh, that's not always going to happen, but it seemed to get him going. Yeah, and that's a good thing. So if he kind of felt that and that gets his energy going, especially on the boards or on the defensive end, great. In, in regards to the chase down block, listen, I never had that problem as a player where I'm running down the court and I'm I'm trying to swat somebody. And yeah, I realize I was it's usually the chase. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I realize it's not instinctual, but I feel like he could have caught that. Like he, right? I mean, he was he he was winding up to spike it, you know. And again, I I was never a shot blocker, so I know it's not instinctual. You know, I was the guy trying to take the charge in the lane, you know. Um, <laughs> But I feel like he could have, you know, he was he was there in plenty of time. He could have just caught uh, that shot. But that was uh, that was quite the block. And you're right; it it did provide him with a little bit of uh, enthusiasm. It got him going, and, and maybe got the team going too. Yeah, it looked like he had been watching the volleyball team. Yeah, right. That was a spike. That was. Yeah, he he he, 
Yeah, and you, you know, guys like you and me, you know, can't jump. <laughs> Never had a block shot in your whole high school career. You played a little college ball. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, we ask ourselves, well, why couldn't you have just gone up and just yeah. snatched that out yeah. of the air? You right. know, but right, blocked I, it to yourself. But again, you know, I'm not gonna be. Cri- I'm I'm saying this he, like uh, jokingly, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying. He was you know. he was in there. I feel like he could have just suffocated that but, shot. But. Because at the end of the day. Cornell then just had the ball again, and yeah, now you're having right. to play deep. But again, if that's the kind of thing that gets Chris Bell sure. going, you look for that, and you you let him feed off of it, and he did. I, I agree with you. I thought it was his best game of the season to date. Uh, the thing is, with with a freshman, you have to fully expect, is it, we're not going to see this every game still. We're right. gonna, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be inconsistencies. Uh, you know, he's going to have Jim Beheim pulling out what Harry has left and, you know, on some occasions, and then he's going to have other nights where you're like, wow. Yeah. You know, Chris Bell made four three-pointers and was the difference in a game, and he will. Yeah, he was big in that Bryant game, uh, scored 14 points, helped uh, bring him back a little bit, and uh, and certainly had his best performance of the season against Cornell. Let's get one more uh, comment from Coach Beheim in this segment. Uh, listen, Joe Girard... He, he struggled miserably in that three-game losing streak, and since then, he's been good. And he was good again on Saturday against Cornell, 19 points, and uh, uh, really a strong first half that, uh, that Coach Beheim credited with, uh, with keeping Syracuse in the game. I thought Joe kept us in there in the first half, and then, you know, once we started getting the right shots, uh, we were better. And once we started defending, and Jesse did a good job when they got it in the middle to play off and when they got it down the baseline, come back and and uh, block it or make it a difficult shot. But in reality, they missed five or six wide open threes that would have kept the game really close. So we were lucky there. You're not going to get lucky all the time, but we were lucky there. Yeah, he went through that stretch where he had nine points in three games. And since then, uh, in the five-game Saints, 20, 18, 15, 16, 19. Um, he, has, he has bounced back. From uh, and you hope that that is the uh, the exception and not the rule, and and I think it probably is. I think it probably is too. I mean, Joe will still have a, a bad night or two sure. out there because you're going to run into teams that are going to defend him the way St. John's did, right? And when which was one of those three bad nights, yep. uh, you know, teams are going to get after him. They're going to face guard. They'll put their ace defender on him, and he, you know, on nights like that, other guys have to pick you up. On uh, nights like that, Joe has to find uh, you know an opening somewhere, be it maybe a transition three before they pick you up, and you hit a transition three, and then all of a sudden, it doesn't matter if there's a guy who with a hand in his face. You know, do you know how Joe can get? Mm-hmm. Um, he can get hot, and it, and it just won't matter that he's being guarded. And all of a sudden, he's on a roll again. But he kept them in that game on Saturday in that first half when Jesse didn't play much, 15 of his 19 points before halftime, and. Then, like the other guys, kind of lifted him up too. But yeah, that would have looked really bad in the first half if Joe yeah. wasn't playing at the level that he was. And if he's if he's not making shots those nights, like the St. John's game, for instance, got to do other things, right? He's got to play good defense. He's got to you know assist. He's got to um, you know get on the floor, get get his team going somehow, make a play on defense, you know, make something happen on offense, even if it's not a made shot. Um, and as as you said, other guys are going to have to step up in those situations. But he's been good uh, yeah. since that uh, since that slump. We do have to take a timeout. There was another key part, key storyline from Saturday, and uh, and and we'll hear from Jim Beheim on the passing of Lewis Orr. That's next on ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> 
This is Orange Nation. All right, Stephen Fonte, Mike Waters back with you here on Orange Nation. Brian Higgins will join me in hour number two. Paulie's still off today. Hope to see him in the next couple of days. But uh, to the phone lines we go. We've got Steve in North Syracuse kicking us off on the show today. Hey, Steve. Um, well, first item of business, uh, February 20th, 2006, fewest free throws <laughs> attempted by a Syracuse opponent, West Virginia, zero. There you go. We have our answer. Well done, Steve. Mike's mailbox will have a co-bind line this week. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Now, uh, something happened uh, during the game, uh, actually on the message board, that amused me at the time, but it might be revealing. Uh, They asked all of Syracuse's players, if you you could have a superpower, what superpower would you choose? And Chris Bell said he would choose invisibility. Uh, He said he'd like to go incognito. And it occurred to me, Chris, you've just changed your name. Your number is zero, and you've been putting zeros in the box score at various times this year. So maybe you've already achieved invisibility. But I wonder if maybe there could be a connection between that selection by him, um, that's what he wants to be, and the degree of his aggressiveness in basketball games. I agree he was very aggressive uh, Saturday, but uh, other games he's kind of disappeared. And um, maybe a guy who wants to be invisible uh, can carry over to his game. I don't know about that, but Joe Girard's got to be Hawkeye. <laughs> right? You know, daggers from downtown. Yeah, right. You know, firing them in. I don't know. I don't know if there's like a psychological study there to be done on Chris or not, but that's interesting. I don't know. All right, Do you Steve. You want to play with that? I appreciate you checking in. Um, I, you know what? Maybe that we can do a deeper dive into that. I mean, you know, he may be an introvert. You know, introverts want to be invisible. Just kind of leave me alone. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm an introvert. I've enjoyed. I don't know if Chris is really an introvert. I've enjoyed talking to him. Yeah, you know, right. even back in you know high school last year, uh, he had a you know big smile on his face. It was just um, you know I was the only guy there in Springfield, Massachusetts, uh, interviewing him after a uh, the Hall of um, what was it the Hall of Fame Classic or something they play over there, Hoop Hall Classic. Yeah. I don't know. I find him to be pretty engaging. Yeah. You know, sunny, you know, a real sunny kid, smiley. Yeah. I just think this is the way he plays basketball, and it's, he's got he's, he's got to learn. He's got to do a little bit more at the college level. And, and as we've said, um, this is new for him. Like his role, this is new for him. And you know, he said to Coach Bayham, "I didn't rebound in high school." And you know, Coach, a couple weeks Which ago, blows made me away. right. He, <laughs> he he made that crack about you know now I believe him. Did you hear what Chris Bell uh, said this weekend? Somebody asked him how he's reacted to all of Coach's flack he's given him, and he hit him with the meme response. He said, "Yeah, I took that personally. Went out and got a career high in rebounds. Yeah, yeah, five rebounds and." You know, it's it's a new role for him. He's a freshman. He's in, you know, it's been a dozen games or whatever it's been. And, you know, it, it, he'll be fine. He will be fine. For some of these younger guys, it's it's like I've, I've said about a lot of guys over the years, but I, most recently I was saying it about Jesse Edwards. He's, he's a nice kid, right? Plays without a lot of physicality, especially two years ago or last year. You, you need to tell him that the guy he's going up against insulted his mom before the game. And... Fire him up. Well, whatever it takes, you know, whether it's that or, hey, did you know that this guy doesn't like vegetables or, or whatever? You know, say something that just makes them mad. Fast times at Ridgemont High. Jefferson's car, right? You don't tell him the truth. You right. tell him it was the other school that wrecked yeah. it. You know, you right. drag it out there. Whatever it takes. you you got to tell Chris Bell, 
those guys hate puppies. <laughs> whoa! Whoa! <laughs> that uh, that might work. You sh- you should tell the coaches that. Maybe they maybe they'll try it. Um, I joke with them every once in a while, and I know I'm they know I'm joking. They they roll my eyes at some of that stuff. Yeah, uh, Jordan's giving me the wrap it up sign here. So we I, I don't want to rush the the. The stuff with uh, with Lewis Orr and, and what Coach Bayham had to say, and I do want to get your thoughts on on the career of Lewis Orr and, and the kind of man he was. Um, so let's let's table that for right now. We do have to get to our SOS house call. We'll talk about Lewis Orr uh, after that. Uh, we're back after this on ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Orange Nation. All right, Stephen, Brian back with you here on Orange Nation. Brian's got the 315 coming up at 2 o'clock from 2 until 4. We have no show tomorrow, no Orange Nation because of SU Women's Basketball. Brian does have a show tomorrow from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock. Mm-hmm. All right, we've uh, we've waited long enough. Uh, your thoughts on the, the way that the end of that uh, Giants-Commanders game played out last night. I didn't know you were a Giants fan. You, you were, uh, is it fair to say your team was uh, was was fortunate with some calls and non-calls in that game. Yep. <laughs> and I'm good with it. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, they've been unfortunate for a decade. I'll take a day That's of fortune. Yeah. That's true. It's been a terrible decade. I'll take a day of fortune. Of the three calls, what was the most egregious in your mind? Oh, the, uh, la- the last one of the game. Like, it, it had to be, right? <laughs> yeah. It wasn't Mc- who or Whichever receiver it was, got, I mean, he got mugged. Right. Absolutely it was not, mugged. Yeah, it was not McLaurin. And the, the, McLaurin was the play before yeah. with, the, with the penalty, which... We just watched video during the break where McLaurin clearly looks over, looks at the the ref. The ref seems to indicate that he needs to move up a little bit, so he scoots up a little bit, and then as soon as the snap comes, he throws the flag and uh, touchdown wiped off. The the two point conversion was also a a questionable call. That was a weird one because they 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 called like a pick play, and the guy made contact, but he wasn't running a pick play. They had. Um, Who's the rules guy on Sunday night was on there? Terry, I'm blanking on his last name. Um, and the, he ex- yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, he, I know, yeah, I know he, he, he explained it. He's like, yeah, it was a penalty. That's not what they were doing, but it's probably the right call. So, yeah, the, the Giants were extremely fortunate. But, again, uh, the Giants are not very good at scoring points. So, anytime the refs can help out, I'm, I'm good with it. So, Jordan immediately tweeted last night um, that, you know, Stephen, Pro- Stephen Fonte is probably saying somewhere, you know, this is why they should be able to throw a challenge flag on a penalty. So, I have said that on the show before, that – I, I feel I, I just want them to get it right. So we we have things that are reviewable. We have things that are not reviewable. You know whether or not there's a blade of grass between a guy a guy's cleat and the sideline. You know we can look at that for five minutes, mm-hmm. but we can't look at that last play for twenty seconds and say you know what that should have been pass interference. Let's do it again. Um, I think they should, and I'm I'm serious about this. This is not just like a you know if I was the NFL commissioner I would do. I think they should legitimately look into allowing something like that to be reviewable. And if you get it wrong, it's it's just like anything else. You, you lose a timeout. Why not? If we have the ability to get it right, because to me that is that falls under the category of everybody saw it, everybody looks at that and says, that's pass interference, mm-hmm. let's do it again. And now you know guys like Jordan are coming in today saying the NFL's rigged and – he also had the World Cup rigged. Also. He did say it's the World Cup was rigged. Which everything's I, I, rigged. I, I, everything's rigged. If it doesn't go your way, everything's rigged. The show's rigged. rigged. But I, I do firmly believe you should be able to review anything. 
And if you're wrong, you lose a timeout just like anything else, and you save your reviews or you save your challenges for the end of the game. And I know inside the last two minutes it's coming from booth reviews, but mm-hmm. that, that to me that was egregious, and that should have – now, who, who wins the game from there? I don't know. They still would have had to convert a two-point conversion, but – the ref got it wrong. Should have been pass interference. Let's do it again. I, I was 100% certain uh, going into last night they were going to tie again. So <laughs> I was prepared. I was mentally preparing myself for that. So clearly it was going to do that. But yeah, I suppose you can. I, I'd say the one reason not is they did put in reviewing pass interference a couple of years ago for that one year, and it was just a it was a disaster, epic disaster. Right. And then somehow yesterday there was a, not the play anyone's talking about now from the Raiders-Patriots game. But when the Raiders tied it up, like they reviewed it for twenty minutes and got the call wrong on the last yeah. time. Like yeah. I don't know how they do that. So maybe for pass interference, you know, they supposedly have time limits they don't follow. Maybe for PI, it should just be you get to watch it once. Yeah, and you got to be really sure. Well, right, it's got. <laughs> like, you watch it, you watch it once, real time again. Yes or no, move on. Right. Not, don't give me a minute on it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. On that, and um, may- maybe this this would be even better. You got to do it at like at midfield. The screens are so big at the stadium now. The ref should just stand, look up at the scoreboard. The ref should stand <laughs> in the middle of the field and watch it in like gladiator style, thumbs up or thumbs down. <laughs> like go, you're on the spot. And, and again, I know we're joking about this, but I just I feel like it's a problem that if we have the ability to get everything right, we got all this great technology. Mm-hmm. And you're right, when they did try that, it 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 was it was a failure, which is why they changed it back. But something like that last night to me is. That's egregious. The call is wrong. Let's get it right, and and let's do this again. Um, the play before, obviously, everybody's talking about as well, where McLaurin, is, is the flag was thrown, um, wasn't close enough to the line of scrimmage. Can, can we hear from Terry McLaurin after the game? Here is uh, scary Terry McLaurin. I felt like I was on the ball the uh, entire time. If you look through the, the game, I lined up there pretty much every play. So I checked to see if I was good the first time. And he was like, like, move up a little bit. So when I moved up, I checked to see if I was good. And he said I was good. So um, no, I'm not trying to get fined. So we had our other opportunities before it to come down like that. That's tough. So he was right about everything that he said, mm-hmm. except for the very end where he said, I checked back to see if I was good, and he mm-hmm. told me I was good. We watched it like multiple times there during the break. He definitely checked. The ref, it seemed to indicate scooch up a little bit. He scooched yeah. up a little, and he his head was turned towards the quarterback, not the ref, when he kind of, when McLaurin gave the ref a thumbs up, like, I'm good. <laughs> Obviously, it's not up to him, it's up to the ref. It's, it is unfortunate, though, how that, that whole thing played itself out, because that, it, it's not like... He didn't check. He checked. He was told to move up. He moved. He just didn't move up enough. You got to check with like the play was about to start when he was check, like <laughs> it was what it, yeah he was running the reverse already out of the slot like that play has a timing thing. It's going to start. Yes, uh, you better be in the right spot, dude. But I'll tell you this: like sometimes offsides, like man, they called that late. Oh, that ref had he had to find his flag. That flag was out. It set records how fast it got it, out of his pocket. That was ref ready. was ready to go. He was like, ready he to throw that flag. He literally had his hand in his pocket. Yes. So I don't think he checked quite well enough. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. I guess not. Uh, all right, we're going to take uh, our final time out. Uh, Jordan's going to be in here to, to join us for our final segment of Orange Nation back after this on ESPN Radio.